in the uh, late 18th century, Dr. Paul Ehrlich, who would go on to win a Nobel Prize, was studying various types of diseases and ailments and the medicines that were being used at that day and time in order to take care of those things. And what he noticed was that every single medicine was actually creating more harm than it was good. Not only was it taking care of the disease or the ailment, but it was also destroying the good tissues and the good cells all around. It's sort of like how chemotherapy, even still to this day, does the same thing. Yeah, it kills the cancer, but it's killing everything else as well. But see, we weren't just talking about cancer back then. We're talking about things like headaches and minor aches and pains that people were taking medicine for, and it was creating these very major side effects. And so he decides that, look, I want to try to find a way that medicine can go through the bloodstream and target specifically what's wrong and not leave behind any collateral damage, so to speak. And as he was trying to describe this process to his uh, friends and his colleagues, he said, it'd be sort of like having some sort of a, a magic bullet that would just target exactly what it is that I want to get to. And thus, a new phrase was introduced into our human language. That is the phrase, the magic bullet. How many of you ever heard that phrase before? You've used that phrase before, the magic bullet. Again, Dr. Paul Ehrlich, he's the guy that came up with this thing. The magic bullet. Now, how do we use it now, you know, over the past hundred years? Well, we use it anytime there's like this like, huge, impossible situation that we just can't figure out, how am I going to solve this? We say, man, I, I just need to find the magic bullet for this thing. We used it here as a, as a church. Sometimes you use it as, a, I'm not trying to find it. You know, people ask me over the first couple years, they're like, you know, what do you think is the, the secret? What is the next thing you guys need to do in order to take your next step as a church? And I kept saying, you know, we've tried everything. We, we've changed everything. The only thing that's never changed is, you know, we've always been in the same location. If we could just have our own building, I would say. But I would always say, you know, I don't think it's going to be a magic bullet, but I think it would help. Now, some people use the phrase, the magic bullet, to sort of excuse their own laziness. You know, we as humans, we, uh, we like shortcuts, don't we? We want to get to where we want to go as fast as we can with the least amount of effort as possible, but still get the greatest results. And so some people are trying to find like the, the magic bullet just to like get out of a lot of work. But let me pose this to you this morning. What if there was a magic bullet for life? that all of a sudden, if you had this magic bullet, it would make life make sense. You know, oftentimes we're going, I wish I knew my purpose in life. I knew I wish God's will for my life. You know, if there was just simply like a, a magic bullet that would explain it all, man, that would be really great. How many of you would like a magic bullet that would make life make sense? All right, yeah, a lot of it. How many of you would pay a lot of money for a magic bullet like that? Yeah, right? Man, if life all of a sudden made sense, I'd be willing to pay some money for that. Here's the good news for you. The Bible actually gives us the magic bullet to life. And I'm going to give it to you today for free. It isn't even going to cost you anything. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. There is this, this magic bullet, and it's a question that you can ask yourself about every situation, every circumstance of life. No matter what you're going through, there is a question you can ask that is going to help you. What we're going to do over the next six weeks is sort of unpack exactly what this question is and how to apply it to your life. And what I think you're going to discover is this. You're going to go, I wish I'd have known this question many years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. I wish I'd have known to ask this question about everything because it would have saved me a lot of pain and heartache and regret. 
you know, many of our biggest regrets in life, what we're going to discover is because you just simply did not ask this question. Now, how many of you are intrigued that, wow, there's a question that's going to solve all my problems in life? Pretty intrigued by that, right? All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Scripture to discover what it is. So if you've got a Bible today, you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Again, Ephesians chapter 5, that's where we're going to hang out here this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. All the scriptures will be on the screen for you. They're in the uh, program there, and also you can pull out your smartphone and download the Version app. You can do all the uh, scriptures there as well. So Ephesians chapter 5. Let me give you a little bit of context before we actually jump into this. Ephesians chapter 5 was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, we've talked a lot about Paul in the past. You know that Paul is my hero. Paul is this great, great Christian dude. He uh, wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. He led thousands of people in a relationship with Jesus. He traveled all over the then-known world starting new churches. Now, here's what's so fascinating about that. He actually traveled to three different continents starting new churches. In a day and time when the average person never traveled more than 30 miles from where they were born. Let me say that again. The average person in that day and time never traveled more than 30 mile radius from where they were born. And Paul ends up traveling to three different continents to start new churches. Amazing, amazing man. But as we've also talked about in the past, maybe some of you know this, maybe you don't, but Paul was not always this great champion for Jesus. In fact, when Christianity first started, Paul was Christianity's greatest enemy. Paul was the guy that was in charge of rounding up Christians, persecuting him, and sometimes executing him. Now you're going, wait a second, how did this guy that eventually became this great champion for Jesus go from being the enemy to the, the champion? How in the world did that happen? And it's very simple. Paul had been preaching and, and talking about how Jesus had not risen from the dead. You guys are crazy. You know, this is a bunch of crazy talk. You're starting this new religion. You need to go back to Judaism. You can't keep talking about this Jesus guy. You know what changed him? Jesus. He actually met Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, one day as he was on his road to Damascus in order to persecute more Christians. He meets the resurrected Jesus, and he's like, whoa. He really did come back. All this nonsense that I thought his believers were talking about, he really did come back from the dead. And Paul is so dramatically changed by that that, again, he all of a sudden he starts going out and he's starting churches and he's leading people to Jesus. And what Paul would do is a lot of times when he would start these new churches, he would go on then to another city, start other churches, other continents, and start new churches. But he would want to check back in on some of these churches that he had started, and he had heard some of the stories that was going on in some of these churches. So he would write them letters. And these letters would sort of encourage them or answer some of their questions or sort of spur them on and how to take their next step. And so this book of Ephesians that we're about to read from, that's exactly what this is. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the church that met in the city of Ephesus. He had started this church, and now he's writing this letter back to him saying, look, man, we, we need to really grow in our faith here. He's encouraging them. He's, he's challenging them in, in their faith. And he's like, look, you used to be in the dark, but now you're in the light. You used to, to live for the devil. You used to do all these bad things. But now Jesus has called you to love people and forgive people, show mercy to people. He's basically saying, look, you can't continue to live the same life you were living before you started a relationship with Jesus. Your life has to change. And so he understands, I think, that he's asking a pretty big thing of him. That your life, when you become a Christian, has to do a 180. It can't be the same 
anymore. And so he decides, you know what, I'm going to give them a little baby step here. And so that's where we'll pick it up in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Paul writes this, be very what? What does he say? Be very careful then how you live, not as what? Not as unwise, but as wise, right? So he says, be very careful in how you live, not as the unwise, but as wise. Now, the Greek word there for live can also be translated as walk or the path that you're on. So basically he's saying, be very careful about the path that you're going down. Look around. Look, look, look around. Be careful. What, you don't know what you may step on or step in. You, you've got to be very careful on this walk that you're on. Last month when Lisa and I were in, in uh, California, we were going along the Pacific Coast Highway, so beautiful, and, and we stopped at this place, it was called the Whale Watchers Cafe, and so we're having lunch at the Whale Watchers Cafe, and it sort of overlooks the Pacific Ocean, you know, you're up on the top of the big cliffs, and you're overlooking the Pacific Ocean, as we're sitting there and we're eating, we saw some whales, that's why it's called the Whale Watchers Cafe, it's amazing that they would name it like that, right? Uh, but we saw like these whales, like the, the blow spout thing, you know, spouting water up and stuff. We didn't see the whale itself. We just saw the water, geysers going and stuff. And so we thought after we eat, we want to go over. There was sort of an observatory that you could go to. We wanted to try to snap some pictures of the whales. And so we get done eating. We cross the street, and there was like this three or four foot, like pretty steep little hill that you had to go down. And then that led to a path. And then you took that path to sort of this observatory place that you could, you know, try to get the pictures and stuff. Now, what you got to realize about Lisa is she's, how should I say this nicely? She's not uh, uh, very coordinated, okay? Uh, she, uh, yeah, Judy said, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, uh, she, she has a tough time keeping her balance. Uh, she doesn't like uneven terrain. And so I go down, you know, doo -doo 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 -doo, down this little uh, hill, and then I turn around, I reach back up and take Lisa's hand, and she's gingerly, like, you know, it takes like five seconds to come down this, like, little hill, right? And, and I get her to the bottom of the hill. I let go of her hand. I no longer let go of her hand. She actually went back up the hill by herself backwards in one second. <laughs> and the only thing I hear is her going, snake! <laughs> Now, again, I had turned around backwards and helping her down. I turn around, there is a snake right behind me. Now, we got a picture of it here on the screen. Notice you can't see its head nor its tail. This baby was big. I don't know if it was poisonous or not, but I wasn't sticking around taking a chance. And, you know, what, what was the thing here? I was going along a path without paying attention to where I was going. And I could have gotten bitten. And again, I don't know if it was poisonous or not, but if it was poisonous, this is bad news. And I think that's what Paul's saying here to us is, be very careful then about the path that you're on. Be very careful as you're walking whatever path you've chosen to take because you never know what's going to come out and bite you. And Scripture says this, that Satan is our enemy and that Satan is like a serpent. And it also says that Satan wants to devour us and destroy our lives. So Paul's saying, look, Man, be very careful. You've got to be wise. Don't be like the unwise. He says, be very wise about how you're living. Be very wise about the path that you're going down. And then he continues on. He says this in verse 16. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He's saying, look, you've only got one life to live. 
So make sure that you're making every single opportunity count. Don't just sort of drift by. Don't just sort of float by through life. Make every single minute count. You know, we talked the other week in in our previous series about how, you know, we need to stop rowing and and put up the sail and let God's Spirit sort of blow us into wherever it is that God would want us to be. But here's what you need to understand about it when you're in the water. Whether you're rowing or you got the sail up or whatever, if you take the oars out of the water or you take the sail down, guess where you're going? Where are you going? It's just wherever the current takes you. You have no choice. Just wherever the prevailing winds, wherever the prevailing current is going, that's where you're going to end up at. And my fear is this. Many of us in our culture, many of us in our society have just sort of taken the oars out. We've taken the sail down. And we just, wherever society says to go, that's where we go. That whatever pop culture says is how you should think and how you should feel and how you should act. Oh, well, you know, Lady Gaga said this or, you know, George Clooney saying this. And so we're just like, oh, well, that must be the gospel truth. And I'm just going to sort of drift along into that. And that becomes our mindset. That becomes our thinking. Paul says, be very careful. Be careful about that path you're going down. Be careful about what you may step into or on. Don't be like the unwise people that just sort of take the oars out and put the sail down and just sort of drift along. Don't be unwise like that. You got to be wiser. You got to be smarter than that. He says, God has put you on a path, so make the most of every single opportunity that you have because the days are evil. See, many people, instead of charting a course for their life, they're drifting along. And then they go, look, how did I end up here relationally? How did I end up in this place financially? How did I end up in this place professionally? Many times we have these huge, huge regrets because we've just sort of been drifting along. Paul continues on then in verse 17. He says, therefore, do not be what? Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He's saying, look, you need to stop playing games. Oftentimes we say, man, I, I wish I knew what God's will was for my life. wish I knew what God's will was for me in this circumstance, this situation. When the truth is this, you already know what God's will is. You already know what his word says. You're just not willing to obey it. Oh, I wish I knew what God's word said. I wish I knew what his will was. You know it. You're just pretending that you don't understand it or that you didn't hear it. You didn't read it. Oh, well, I know know God's word says, but I'm still going to do it anyway. Oh, I know I should be doing, you fill in the blank. But then you come up with all kinds of excuses why you can't do it. And you're like, why is my life falling apart? Why is my life a mess? Because you keep going, I know God's word says, but. I mean, we've got to be smarter than that. You know exactly how you got into that financial mess. You know exactly how you got into that relational mess. You know exactly how you got into that vocational mess. Some of you don't like where you're at spiritually. They're like, how, how did I get here? How did I get to a place where it seems like my prayers are just bouncing right off the ceiling and I don't really have a relationship with God? You know. You know it's because you haven't been following God's word. 
God's will is revealed in the pages of this book. It's all right here, but you keep coming up with excuses of why you can't do it. Paul says you can't be foolish like that. You have got to understand what the Lord's will is. And again, it's all revealed right in the pages of this book. See, here's what I've come to understand over the years. Many people purposefully make unwise decisions over and over and over again, and then they whine and complain about how did I get into this mess? Well, it's because you have purposefully, over time, continued to make unwise decisions. And Paul's saying you can't do that. You've got to be careful about the path that you're going down. You can't be like unwise people. You can't be like foolish people. You've got to be wise. So what if there was one question you could ask yourself that would help you prevent yourself from getting into all these messes that you find yourself into? Wouldn't that be a valuable thing? Just one single question, one magic bullet that you could ask it, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I know exactly what God wants from me. That'd be amazing. Well, we we find the principle from it, this question that we can ask from what we just read from Paul. And again, what we're going to do over the next six weeks is we're going to unpack this question in its entirety. Now, I'll give you the full question at the very end of the message. But for now, I want to break it down into smaller bite-sized chunks. So if you're taking notes here today, here it is. In light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing for me to do? Now, here's the deal. Your past and my past are different, so what may be wise for you may not be wise for me, and vice versa. You have got to continually ask yourself, you know what? In light of the last time I went out with this group of people, what's the wise thing for me to do this time? In light of the the last time I was given extra money, what is the wise thing for me to do this time? In light of the, the last time I lost my temper, what's the wise thing for me to do this time? In light of the my past with this temptation, what's the wise thing for me to do this time? Now, here's the deal. We understand this principle when it comes to our friends and our family members. We watch them keep mis- making the same mistake over and over and over again. We're like, you big dummy. Why do you just keep doing it? You know that when you go out with those people, you know when you start spending that kind of money on your credit card, you know, you know, you know that when you've done that in the past, where it leads to, but yet you keep doing it. Why are you doing it? So it makes so much sense when we see it in other people's lives. But for ourselves, you know what we go? We're like, I, I know that's what happened last time, but this time's going to be different. This time will, will be different. This time I'm going to have self-control. This time I'm not going to mess up. Oh, yeah, I, I know in the past when, you know, I went over and spent the night there at her house and stuff that things that we shouldn't be doing, it happened. But, but this time I'll have self-control. So it's so easy to see in other people's lives, but yet we don't see it in our own. So Paul's saying, look, you've got to be careful with this path that you're walking down because there's things from your past, your past experiences that are going to come up and bite you. And so in light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing for me to do this time? Now, I want you to notice this. I didn't say anything about right and wrong. doesn't necessarily have to be a wrong thing. 
It just may not be the wise thing. And just because it's right for somebody else doesn't mean that it's wise for you. Every single decision that you have to make, every single moment, you need to be asking yourself the question, in light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing for me to do? Not what's the most fun thing to do, not what is all my friends doing, not even what's the legal thing to do, because again, it could be legal to do it, but not wise for you to do it. In light of my past experience, what is the wise thing for me to do? Number two then, in light of my current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? You know, if you just got married, or you just got a new job, or you started a new shift at your job, or you just had a kid, or your second kid, or your fifth kid, things are going to change. I mean, some of you, you, you've just had baby, we have a baby boom going on right now, right? You, you new parents, things have changed, haven't they? Especially if you have twins. <laughs> Simon and I always used to talk on Sunday mornings about the video games that we were playing during the week. Simon said to me that week, he's like, I don't have time for that anymore. <laughs> Right? Things have changed. Does that mean that it was wrong in the past that he did that? Or the things in the past that you've done those things? No. There's things from your past that it was okay then, but in light of your current circumstances, things have changed. And so is it still the wise thing for me to do? How many of you like me are your night owl? You, you're a night owl? You like to stay up? Any night owls? Okay. All right. Any of you weird people that like to get up early? Yeah, somebody, yeah that's, that's weird. Anyway, you know, maybe, maybe you're like me, you're a night owl, and maybe you're a person, you like all the late night talk shows, right? So you watch Jimmy Fallon, then you turn over to James Corden, and then you stay up really late for, you know, Carson Daly, and, and you've done that because you're a night owl, and you didn't have to be in work till noon, let's say. That's fine. Hey, some, some jobs do that. I used to have a job that I had to be there at noon. That's fine. But what if your job changes? And now you have to be there at 8. In light of my current circumstances, is it still wise for me to stay up and watch all the late night TV shows, or should I get to bed earlier? I think you would have to say it would be wise to, to start going to bed earlier. It wasn't that it was wrong in the past. It's just now, in light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing for me to do? In light of the fact that you now have a child, or you just got married. There used to be some things you took for granted that you were able to do, and it was okay. It was part of God's will for your life, but now it's not. It's no longer the wise thing to do. So we've always got to ask these questions. In light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing for me to do? In light of my current circumstances, what's the wise thing for me to do? You're starting to see how asking these questions, it can bring clarity to your decision-making? that you don't have to guess anymore. I wonder what's the best thing, what God's will is for me. Because listen, God's will is always going to be the wisest thing for you. And again, you're not always going to be able to find chapter and verse in Scripture either. This has to do with you in light of your past experiences, in light of your current circumstances. What is the wise thing for you to do? Number three. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? You know, I've said this in the past. We live in a, a fast food culture, a fast food society. We want our whole life to be like McDonald's. 
that we can just go through the drive-through, get it really fast, and we jam it in. That we get it instantly. Now, we know, you know, you keep eating McDonald's, that's not healthy for you. It's going to have adverse health effects on you. Well, guess what? It's the same way with your life. If you just continue to, to do what's expedient and, and what's, like, going to give me the most satisfaction right now, long term, that's not healthy for your future dreams, your hopes, and your goals. Oftentimes, we trade in the, the, the treasures of tomorrow that we really want for the little trinkets of today. The problem is we want immediate gratification right now instead of the satisfaction that comes from sort of waiting it out and, and being patient. And so you've got to ask yourself this question in light of my future hopes and my future dreams. What is the wise thing to do right now? This relationship in light of the future this purchase that I'm about to make, in light of the, the future, this you know, decision to go to this party, in light of the future, is that actually the wisest thing for me to do right now? You know, some of you, you, you have this, this hope and dream that you know, one day you're, you're going to get married and you have this idea of what that looks like in your mind. And so you got to ask yourself, okay, in light of what I want for a marriage in the future, is it wise for me to be dating this person right now? Some of you, you have some great financial goals and hopes and dreams into the future. And you've got to ask yourself, all right, in light of that, what I want in the future, is it wise for me to make this purchase right now? In light of the, the, the life I want to have in the future, the Christian that I want to be, are the friends that I'm hanging out with or the people I'm about to go and see, are they helping me bring me closer to those hopes and dreams or are they actually pushing me away from those hopes and dreams? Every single decision, every single circumstance in life, you've got to be asking yourself these questions. Again, I hope that this has been thought-provoking for you. And I'm sure many of you, you're looking back on some situations, some circumstances in your life that you're like, had I known to ask these questions in the past, life would be a lot different today, relationally, spiritually, emotionally, you know, physically, vocationally. Why? Because we made unwise decisions. We made some foolish decisions. Now, we can't go back and do anything about the past. We can ask for forgiveness if we did something sinful. We can't do anything about the past, but we can do something about our future. And so let's, let's get the question, let's put it all together. Basically, here's the question that will change everything in your life. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? I believe that if you'll start to ask yourself that question every single moment, every single day, every single thing that comes up, your life is going to change. Is this making sense? I mean, this is almost too simple, isn't it? It's almost like it's a, a magic bullet. <laughs> that it's targeting the very thing that we want without leaving a lot of collateral damage. 
in light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? See, here's what I found through years of, of doing counseling with people. Nobody plans on messing up their life. I've never once sat down with a couple and they said, you know what, the day we stood before God and family, our goal was to get a divorce one day. Nobody's ever said, you know what, I was really hoping that one day I'd go bankrupt. Nobody ever says, you know what, I, I was just, when, it, when I, I took that first drug, I was hoping, man, I hope one day I get hooked on this thing and it ruins my life. Never had one parent that said, you know what, as I was raising those kids, I was really hoping that one day they would grow up and hate me. I've never had that. Nobody plans on messing up their lives, but here's also what I found. Most people don't have a plan for not messing up their lives. Let me say that again. Most people don't plan on messing up their lives, but most people don't have a plan for how not to mess up their lives. And what I just gave you in this question is a plan for not messing up your life. If you'll just simply, every single time you have a decision to make, say, in light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Man, that is going to put you on the right path. Paul says, now you're living like the wise, not the unwise. Now you're not acting like a fool. You're actually knowing what God's will is. Here's your homework for this week. All week long, just give me seven days of this, all right? I'm not asking you to do this for the rest of your life yet. I want you to do it for the rest of your life, but I want you to try it for seven days. Just as often as you can, ask yourself this question over and over and over again. And here's the cool part about the assignment this week. I'm not even asking you to do anything about it. I mean, ultimately, you, you got to go beyond just asking yourself the, the question. You actually got to act on it. But for this week, I don't even want you to act on it. I just want you to get into the habit of asking yourself this question. I want you to start saying, you know what? If I were wise, this is what I'd do. Now you're laughing. And I guess it was a little funny. But I'm being serious. This week, just get in the habit. If I were a wise person, what would I do here? And if you want to get some extra credit, then go ahead and start acting on it. But I'm not even asking you to act on it this week. Just simply ask it. Ask it. Because here's what I want you to discover is more about yourself. See, when we ask the question and we say, well, what's the wise thing to do here? And we're not doing it. It reveals a lot about us. Teenagers, ask yourself this question. In light of my past experience, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And here's what you're going to discover, teenagers. A lot of times it's going to sound an awful lot like your parents. And so you got to ask yourself, if I know that this is the wise thing to do, and it's the thing that my parents are telling me to do, but yet I'm not doing it, what's that say about me? 
Or maybe you're here today and you're an employee and you've got situations and circumstances at work that you've got to ask yourself this question. And you know what? Oftentimes the answer is going to sound an awful lot like your boss. That your boss has been saying that this is what we need to do. And then you've got to ask yourself, okay, if my boss has been saying to do it, why haven't I been doing it? What is the, the motivation behind me not doing it? Or flip it the other way. Maybe you are the boss. And you got to say, what's the wise thing for our company to do here? And it sounds a whole lot like what your employees have been encouraging you to do. you got to say, okay, why haven't we been doing this? Husbands, ask yourself this question. What's the wise thing to do? Guess who it's going to sound like? Your wife. She's always telling you this is what you should do. The wise thing to do. you got to ask yourself, why, why aren't we doing it? Ladies, same type of deal. And here's, here's the thing. If it sounds like something your husband's been saying to you, then go give him a big sloppy wet kiss because most husbands are like clueless, right? They're not thinking about here's the wise thing to do. But if you have a husband that's actually seeking God and giving you godly wisdom and godly counsel, you need to thank God for that husband. And for all of us, there's all kinds of things that, that come up in life. And we go, well, what's the wise thing to do? And guess who it sounds like? It sounds a whole lot like what Jesus would say. And you got to go, I know that's what he says. I know that's what he wants me to do. I know that's his will for my life. What's that say about my relationship with him if I'm not doing it? got to ask the question over and over and over again. So I hope that you'll promise me that for the next seven days you'll just keep asking it. In light of my past experiences, light of my current circumstances, light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? This is the magic bullet for life. What did Ehrlich want? He wanted something that would go in and target specifically the bad stuff while not leaving a lot of collateral damage. And again, he invented medicines that eventually won him a Nobel Prize for that. You take an aspirin today, it takes care of the headache. It doesn't like create a lot of other types of things going on in your body. This question, it's the cure for you. It's the cure for your past. It's the cure for your future. The only question left is, are you going to be wise and actually ask it? My prayer is that you will. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to come together to, to worship you through uh, the, the music that we sang and through the, the giving that we're about to do here in a little bit, through just the fellowship that we've had with one another. And we thank you that we have the opportunity each and every week to, to worship you through the, the preaching of your word. And Lord, I just thank you that your word is so full of wise things. But God, we as human beings, because of our sinful nature, we want to do unwise things because we want that immediate gratification that comes from sin. But Lord, I pray that we would start to become wise, that we would look at our lives and, and just simply ask this question and make the best decisions. 
And Lord, we know that our decisions aren't always even simple decisions. It's just simply, you know, is this going to be the right thing or, or not? It's not right or wrong. It's just, is it wise for me right now? So Lord, again, I pray that this week we would just simply ask it. And if some people are moved by your spirit to start applying what they've heard, I pray that you would just give them the strength and the power to do that. But Lord, help us just to have this week as a week to sort of reflect on our own lives, our own heart, our own motivation. And Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us the, just the, the deep, dark, dirty things that are in us and just sort of bring it to light. Because once we know that those things have come out in the light, then and only then are you able to help us to take care of it. Lord, help us not to act like fools. Help us to be wise. Change us, Jesus, just like you changed Paul. Help us to be so traumatically impacted by uh, uh, an encounter with you that we can't help but say, all right, I, I've got to make the most of every single opportunity. I've got to be very careful about this path that I'm on. I can't act foolish. I've got to be wise. Lord, help that to be the testimony of our lives. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.